Good morning, Lydia House. Good morning, Lydia House. Good morning. morning. Nice to hear your voices. (laughs) Happy Father's Day. Yeah, happy Father's Day. And happy Father. We praise the Father. We have a wonderful Father. I'm encouraged by reading in the Gospels during the storm, what was Jesus doing? Sleeping. Sleeping. Jesus is at great peace right now in the midst of this horrific spiritual physical pandemic and so we want to sing our hearts out to a good father how deep the father's love for us how vast beyond all measure you can sit you can stand whatever you would like to do How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that he would give his only Son to make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss, the Father turns his face as garbage, and yet you use that very act to bring redemption to humankind. We praise you today. This song says, strength will rise as we wait. We 
might think we have to do something to gain strength, but strength comes to us as we look to a good God and we see him and what he can do. So let's sing it together. Strength will arise as we wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. Our God, he reigns for Okay to be needy. In fact, that brings us 
strength of God. Jesus at his weakest was God at his strongest. Some of you will remember this from singing it many years ago. We're singing it because we are children of our Father. Children of the Heavenly Father, safely in Japan. We sang it in Japanese and we sang it in English. And uh, Do a line or two. Do you remember it in Japanese? Oh, actually, no, but Masumi might. <laughs> <laughs> we, we sang other songs in Japanese uh, more than this one, um, but we sang it at baptisms and uh, all special occasions. And what a wonderful thing, Lord, that we can remember that we are your yes. children today, yes. every day, and yes. that you are our Father. Hallelujah. And in our brokenness, he comes to heal us. He comes to touch us today. And this song says, you are my strength when I'm weak. And when am I weak? I'm always weak. The weaker I am, the stronger God is. So it's okay. Paul said, therefore, I will glory in my weakness. For... I'm strong, so when I am weak, then I, I see the strength of God shown in me. So, you know the song. Sing it with me. You are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I seek. You are my all in. Seeking you as a precious jewel, Lord, to give up, I be a fool. You are my all in all. Jesus, 
take my sin, my cross, my shame. Rising again, I bless your name. You are my all in all. When I fall down, you pick me up. When I am dry, you fill my cup. You are my all in all. Taking my sin, my cross, my shame. Bless your name, you are my When I fall down, you pick me up. When I am dry, you fill my cup. You are my all Sing the chorus again. Jesus, as a lamb without realizing that that was a lamb to be slain. In fact, that's what Revelation says. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive glory and honor and wisdom and power and strength and might and blessing and honor and praise. And so we offer that to you now, Jesus, Son of God. Just say it in your own words as I said. We we thank you, Jesus. Thank you. We thank, thank you. Jesus. We say thank you. Thank we you, praise Lord. and worship you. praise and worship you, We'll be nothing without you. You brought thank us into you. God's family. We, now we have praise a father praise because you have been faithful. Hallelujah. You have been good. You have yes, been yes, kind. Yes, you have been good to us. And we bless you. We do bless you. We look to you today, Lord. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord, we treasure you. Father, this is a, an extremely difficult time for many people. On top of a worldwide pandemic, we find uh, an even more serious pandemic of, uh, of terrible tyranny and, and fighting and racism and conflict of all kinds and killing, hatred. Oh God, we pray for the peace that passes understanding, not only to be in our hearts, but to be in our streets, to be in our communities, to be in our world. Yes. You are the only answer. We don't have answer. There's no answer in politics for this. You are the answer. And so we look toward you to come and bring peace. We pray for those at Lydia House who are especially struggling. Yes, we pray that you would be their peace in this season. Yes, 
We pray for any who are struggling physically, and together we pray for Jesus. them. And, and we speak healing. Yes, Lord. We speak healing to any who are sick in body or in spirit. We know of some who are sick in their spirits, and they're having a tough time living, having a tough time being a part of life. And we, we bless them. We pray for them. We pray for their return to us and to you. We pray for those who are in any kind of danger that you would deliver them for your own name's sake. We pray for our president as your word tells us to pray, to pray for all who are in authority. So we pray for our president and all who are in authority. We pray that you would give them clarity in this difficult yes. time. We pray wisdom for those making decisions that affect millions of people, that they would be granted wisdom from above, that they would not be so foolish as to look to someone else but not to you, that they would look to you and find wisdom from above. And we are so thankful today that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Before you sit down, you can hug if you want to. You don't have to hug. You can wave. You can give a salute. But turn around and look at people. And acknowledge the presence and say hi however you want to say hi. If we're still on uh, on here, uh, wanted to say because I'm holding the mic, I get to uh, maybe <laughs> just grab it and and say Happy Father's Day, uh, not only to my uh, wonderful husband who's been a great father. To say more. Six <laughs> children, and uh, I also uh, know that my parents back in California are watching this, and so Dad. Happy Ooh. Father's Day. Wow. Hey, yeah. Phil. And, and he's, you're going to be impressed, right? Because I'm on the, a big, the big screen, and he'll be surprised. I've become famous just because I'm Finally. next to Paul. <laughs> All right, here you go. I don't need that. I've, I've traveled with mine. And I think I should know your name, but I don't. In the back. Hi, Claire. That's our daughter. That's your daughter. She really was glad I, I pointed that out. Her father. Okay. 
Happy Father's Day, man. <laughs> bring your daughter here. That's cool. I don't need this. Here, you can have that. Okay. And, you know, Paul, I, actually, I didn't say really enough words. I just want to tell you how uh, wonderful not only Paul is and has been uh, encouraging all our children, and uh, they, they have learned so much from him, um, but also I wanted to... Uh, tell you that my dad, dad, thank you for teaching us so many things. And I'll have to say, growing up in Japan was the greatest thing that uh, happened to me. I love going up to the mountains and in the summers, especially learning how to sail, learning how to swim, learning how to play tennis. And we had a wonderful time with, um, of course, enjoying uh, the wonderful fruits and vegetables that were in the summertime uh, grown there, and we all love Japanese food. But Dad, most of all, thank you for loving the Lord <laughs> and hearing the call and going to Japan and giving us the example of following, hearing the Lord and following Him. And you will always be remembered, especially for that. And so I thank you. Bless you today. Oh, good words, honey. Very good words. And I was thinking about Phil a couple days ago. And what's so remarkable about what she just said is that she has three siblings. So it's uh, Karen and Stephen and Miriam and Mark. And all four of them love to play tennis. Why? Because he took them out and played tennis with them. All four of them love sailing because he took them out and went sailing with them. All four of them love swimming. Swimming. Yes, they love swimming because he was a swimmer and still is. And so he modeled that and took them with him. That's what he did on vacation. And so they love what he loves. I, I don't. Oh, and music too. They're all, very few people keep their instruments until they're 70 years old, but our family, that, that family does. She still plays. Phil still plays. Steve, she plays at 95. So they received from their dad wonderfully. The great singers too. Yeah, thank you. Yes, you're right. She sang the second verse of Beautiful Savior just before she walked down the cathedral with 700 people. And I said, were you afraid? And she said, no, why would I be afraid? <laughs> so he taught them just to be who they were when they sang and so... And if any of you would like to say a word, you're welcome to say a word about your dad if you want. Uh, we've got mics here, but you'd need, you need to put it on a mic. You're welcome if anybody wants to. Otherwise, I will talk about one dad that doesn't get a lot of attention. His name is Joe. His full name is Joseph. And my Mary, blessed beyond 
of, of all mothers. But Joseph was blessed beyond all fathers. How was he picked to be the father of Jesus? And what did he have to give them? I assume he taught him a trade. Maybe it was working with rocks. Maybe it was carpentry. It may have been carpentry. But he probably taught him a trade. He also taught him character. And so I'm just going to suggest some possibilities for us. And if you have a Bible, it will help because we're going to read some passages together. If you don't, they're sitting some right above uh, Larissa and Andrew there. You're welcome to look with me because we're going to read and then make comments. And remember, if you have a comment, I, I welcome it, but you, you'll want to grab a mic in order to do it. So we're going to start in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. where we read, in the sixth month, and it doesn't explain it right there because it's already been talking about it. This is the sixth month of Elizabeth, who was, do you know what they called her? What did they name her? The barren one. That was, that was what they called her. And she lived with shame all her adult life. And now God has visited Elizabeth when she could not bear and told her that she would, actually to Zechariah, and he passed it on. And, and she spent five months in seclusion. So at the end of five months, ladies, you're beginning to show, right? I mean, there, there's, there's something, something to show for that. And now she comes out. It's the beginning of her sixth month. Why did you come out now? Because had you come out earlier, they would have scoffed at her like they had all her life. Oh, now she's delusional. Now she thinks she's going to have a baby when she can't have a baby. Wow. But she has evidence mm -hmm. that she can show them. So in the sixth month, now here's something else going to happen. The angel Gabriel, who had gone five months before to Zechariah in Judea, now travels north. Actually, he doesn't travel north. He comes <laughs> down, but he goes north of Judea to Nazareth, a town with a questionable reputation, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joe. Of the house of David... Oh, he's got a good, good background, good name. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. Whoa. Does God have favorites? Be, don't, be, don't, don't answer quickly. Does God have favorites? I'll tell you, God doesn't just automatically have favorites. But those who favor God, God favors it's clear from Scripture. If you favor God, He will favor you. And Mary, apparently in her whole life, as a young lady, she's probably a teenager, 
everything I've read all agree that she's probably in her teens somewhere. Some think she's younger teens, some older. Let's say 18, 19, maybe. She's favored. So she's, she's already lived an exemplary life that heaven has seen. Now, whether men see her or, or, or look at her for her beauty, God is looking at her because she is making a mark and heaven sees the way she's living. Oh, favored one. Oh, my. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled. Uh-oh. What's this? This doesn't happen very often, a visit from an angel. This is one time only in a lifetime, probably never for us, but it could be. And she wondered what, what, kind, what kind of greeting this is. This word is going to alter her program significantly. The angel said, do not be afraid. Angels had to often say that because when they came, kids, people didn't say, oh, how precious. <laughs> they go, oh! Because one angel could take out the U.S. Marines, one angel. And so, don't be afraid. You have found favor. I can't think of anything more wonderful than to find the favor of God. You have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. We'll call the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. My, oh, my, he's going to be a king. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom, there will be no end. So she's trying to process this and says, how, how will this be? She doesn't say, I'm engaged, and I guess that could work it out. She doesn't even say that. She just says, I know no man. I am a virgin. What purity. What integrity. The angel said, oh, yeah, we'll take care of that. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, a child to be born will call holy, the Son of God. And behold, she doesn't know this news yet. But she, she has been in seclusion. Elizabeth, no one is seeing Elizabeth. The word hasn't traveled up because no one knows. Your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called, that's what they called her, barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Mary is taking it in and she must be kind of limp. This news, it's, it's altering her, her whole life now. And she says, behold, I'm the bondservant. That's what she said, not servant. She says, bondservant, the lowest of the low, of the Lord. Okay, let it be. Let it be. And the angel departed. And so she is stunned. And she wonders, what do I do now? And she thinks, Elizabeth, she's carrying a child. She had a miracle. I got to go see Elizabeth. 
Now, we don't know when she tells Joseph. I don't think she told Joseph now. I think she said, Joseph, I've got to go see Elizabeth. She's going to have a baby. And I need to go help her. I need whatever. 80 miles away, Joseph would not let her go without something, without a caravan. I'm sure he made arrangements so that she wasn't alone because he would not allow that. that. That would have been too dangerous. So she goes through the hill country, 80 miles to Judea, and she comes in. And Elizabeth, who has been pondering the goodness of God, now in her six months, so she has five months She's in her six months. She's been pondering God's grace, is so full of the Spirit that Mary crosses, or yeah, Mary crosses the threshold. This is beyond, this is beyond mystery. This is, this is absolutely mystery. The baby in Elizabeth jumps at the presence of Jesus. The presence of Jesus, maybe a centimeter or less. And Elizabeth knows that it's not just one of those kicks. I felt plenty of them just by this gal carrying them. This was not a regular kick. And the spirit comes upon her. And she says incredible things. How is it that the mother, this teenage girl, the mother, she didn't call her Mary, the mother of my Lord should come to me. Mary needed this. Mary needed. She was going to get beat up as soon as she got home for the rest of her life. When Jesus at 30 is talking to the leaders, they said to him, we were not born in fornication. This news was public transportation. They all knew that there was something strange about Mary and Joseph and the birth. So she needed what Elizabeth, this relative, maybe she's Aunt Elizabeth, could give to her because she is going to suffer. The favor of God Think about this. It all often means the disfavor of people, doesn't it? To get God's favor, sometimes yeah. it means disfavor on earth. And so she spends three months there. So that puts it, it says about three months. It says in my Bible in verse 56, Mary remained with about three months and returned home. So she didn't stay there for the birth. So it's been five plus three and maybe a little more so it's getting close to the birth but she apparently goes home before the birth otherwise i think it would have reported it here and she nervously without showing much goes to joseph and says joseph i've got good news for you turn to Matthew 1. I've got great news. I've got unbelievable news. I've got astounding news. 
I want us to sit down. We need to talk about something. I am going to have a baby. I am pregnant. Wait, 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 wait. An angel visited me. And I am carrying the Son of God. So how is he supposed to respond to that? How? What could he say? Congratulations? You know, <laughs> what, what do you do with that kind of information? He apparently... Assume she's flipped. That she's a spiritual person, but this, she went over the edge. And he could not believe it for, for whatever reason. He could not believe it. And her husband, Joseph, this is what he says. Verse 19, and her husband, Joseph. So it already calls her the husband. Why is that? Because betrothal is more than engaged. In that culture, betrothal is tantamount to marriage, but it just you just need to complete the arrangement. Live together, sleep together, and that's it. You it was divorce if you broke a betrothal. So it's serious stuff. Being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, what is that about? Well, what does the law say? I think you know. She needs to be stoned. It says it in Leviticus and it says it in Deuteronomy. And so uh, he had the scripture behind him to stone her. But there was something in him that was reluctant, that maybe she, he was thinking she possibly could be speaking some truth. But it says being a just Man, do you know what Joseph taught his son? He taught his son justice. It says in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 3, And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor, and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. Joseph was just, and his justice was tempered with mercy, so he didn't want to kill her. He wondered, maybe, maybe something just flipped out, and he, was, he felt badly for her. So he's thinking he could have been irate, right? He couldn't even, how could you do this? That would be typical. So you're both staying pure, and then she goes off and does something, and he could have been just done it right there. But there was something in his heart that looked out for her. And so he was not going to go with the law. When the Pharisees yelled justice with the woman caught in adultery, what did they want? They wanted the law without grace. 
And Jesus said, okay. You're without sin? Go ahead and throw. That took care of the crowd. So he resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered this, there's a second thing. That brings conviction in my heart. My modus operandi is ready, fire, aim. That's how I live. And it has enabled me to start things and to move forward, but at some times I'm out in front where I should be back. Hers is ready, aim, aim, <laughs> aim. She's a researcher. I am not. She wants to look at it, dig it out, think about it, discuss it together. I'm thankful for that. I don't mock that because I can get ahead of the game and I need her to help. Joseph, he thought about it. Had he not, she would have been dead meat. Praise the Lord for Joseph's deliberate, wise, considerate outlook in this situation, maybe he thought, I'm going to sleep on it. He, was, he could have been so angry, but he thought about her. That character of thinking of someone else, he's going to pass on to his son. He's going to see that every day of his life. The reason I do some things I do is not because my dad said it, but I saw it. Those few mornings that I woke up early, I would walk into the living room. He was always there. His Bible would be open in his lap, and he would be either reading or praying. 5.30, 6 o'clock. That didn't happen very often for this guy. But now I'm an early riser. He didn't tell me to do that, but he taught me to do it. Joseph, by his character, he passed some things on. Your dad, I, have, I can't think of any family that has four kids and their favorite three things are just like their father. That's a, that's a wonderful example. Thank you, Phil, for your example. And two of the guys went back to Japan as missionaries. That's right. That's right. Wow. I remember when Karen told me that she was carrying our first child who turned out to be Andrew. I was excited. Mary told Joseph about their child and he couldn't believe it. But he was willing to listen and to wait. Praise the Lord. And in his deliberateness God spoke God was not panicking about this situation. God was not wondering, how will I get through to him? What, God had a hundred ways that he could have communed with him. And he chose one. He chose a dream and an angel in a dream. 
And can you imagine Joseph sharing that with his buddies who are angry with him because he's taken this girl who has been promiscuous and they're living together? And he says, well, I had to obey. What do you mean you had to obey? An angel came to me in a dream. Oh, how nice. Did the angel have wings? And you believed it? You idiot. And he began to take the pressure that he would get the rest of his life. Until he died. And Mary got it longer than he got it because she lived longer. <clears throat> Mary, <clears throat> so the angel then came to Joseph and he woke up and he said, Mary was telling the truth. And he's full of remorse. And he goes to her and he's probably crying. And she's probably crying and they sit down and they cry together. And she said, you didn't believe me. He said, I'm so sorry. I'm so grateful. Then he made a decision. Wasn't required of him. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord <clears throat> commanded him. When God speaks to us, he doesn't give us suggestions. It's straight from heaven. He commanded. But knew her not until she had given birth to a son. That's not what the angel said it was, was the requirement. He somehow took it in his heart that this is a holy woman. This is a holy body. This is a holy womb. I'm staying away. So he, there was a purity about him. There was a divine reluctance in him that they're living together. And he could easily have said, well, how about tonight? You know, it, it, there was something in his, in his, um, he wasn't impulsive. He, uh, he was, he, he was willing to listen. He was willing to obey. Justice means that you have to see the big picture. I don't always see the big picture. I see a part of it. You have to see the big picture to see things with justice. And there was something about Joseph that he was anchored in the life of God. And when he heard, it says when he awoke, he did it. That is not the time to be deliberate. That's the time to be divisive, decisive. And so he went for it right away. He didn't want to think about it anymore because the truth was there and he was ready to anchor, uh, to, to stand on it. So he was signing up. Get this now. He was si signing up for shame and ridicule, which he would get within a couple months. It would start. What are you doing, you idiot? Did you go off and... No, I didn't. 
than who did and will kill him. I don't think it'll work this time. So he had to live with things questioned all his life, and yet he modeled for Jesus a life of peace, a life of justice, a life of mercy, and a life of suffering. That would be central. I was in Latvia. I used to go there every year for a whole for a season. Went there every year. And I remember a wedding. The groom's first kiss came at the altar. The lady who made the dress told somebody from the altar, from the wedding party, I've done 15 other dresses. This is the only one I've done where the bride isn't pregnant. I don't say that to ridicule or to shame. I say that, that here is a couple that found favor with God and they were able to walk in obedience to him and God honored them. But part of the honor was suffering. And we have to realize that if, if God's going to give us honor, sooner or later, we're going to be disfavored by people, right? You, you've, you've all, I know you've all experienced that. So I thank God for Mary, who was above any woman. I'm sad that she's getting what she's getting now. Uh, I bless people in other churches, but Mary is not on a throne. Mary was not on some pedestal at uh, Pentecost. She was in the room, but she wasn't on a, on, a, on a throne. Nor is she today. She is honoring the Son of God and the, the Father. So we do the same today. And I thank you, Father, for Joseph. Yeah. I thank you that you gave Joseph to Jesus. And you gave Jesus to Joseph so that for the length that he lived, he was able to give him the qualities that he had of being deliberate, of being wise, of being just, of being humble, of being obedient. And when we get to heaven, we can thank Joseph for the part he played in raising up the Son of Man, the Son of God. Amen. Go for, go for it. Come on. Yeah. Uh, what a great dad. Wow, great, thank you. Yeah, great example. By the way, how many kids do, do you have? I have nine. And only the, and only, and only the, the, only the mistakes are mine. So. <laughs> uh, but you know the great news is we have such a great Father in Heaven. And um, as I was pondering, I've been pondering the book of Hebrews, and I just want to share a few verses Please. from that. But in the first, uh, the Hebrew Christians were very persecuted, and they were under pressure to go back to Judaism. Um, because of the problems that, that were going on with uh, in the church and in Jerusalem. Um, so 
uh, when we look to Jesus, we see the full radiance, all, everything of the Father. So we have a great example. So us fathers and mothers and children could all look to Jesus. To, to, and we have so much about him so that we could become more like his father. And so that, that's how the book of Hebrews starts in chapter 1. It says we, we see the full radiance in Jesus. So you can't go back. Where are you going to go? And then I just want to read. And I, if, if we, we need to forgive me because it's a few verses. But no, it's, it's from, okay. It's from Hebrews chapter 10. And I'm going backwards because I think it, it, from the end of the chapter, from 32... And, and then I'll read here, and then I'll go back to a few verses before. Um, the writer is writing to the Hebrew Christians. Think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ. Remember how you remained faithful, even though it meant terrible suffering. Sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and were beaten, and sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same things. You suffered along with those who were thrown into jail, and while all you owned was taken from you. You accepted it with joy. You knew there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. Um, and then verse 23. Let us hold re re resolutely to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to spur one another on to love and good deeds. Let us not neglect meeting together as some have made a habit, but let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. So all, and I just want to do a one-minute one prayer because this is something that I believe uh, the Father uh, needs to, to reveal to our hearts. And we will be going through great persecutions. I believe it started, you know, with the confusion and the fear and everything that's happening. So may the Lord continue to enlighten people. Father, just you need to touch our hearts and to know you're going to be sending people our way. You're going to be telling us to go places. You're going to be having us gather in some things that may not be politically correct. But, Lord, would you let us hear you on these things? We remember our fathers. We remember the people who've gone through great persecution. We, we look to, the, we see the church all over the world. Some of them are very hungry during this time and suffering. Uh, we pray that we would press in more rather than back up and that we would, in that, we would see a great revival. And we thank you that, that we could look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who represents you, Father, in every way. And um, we can imitate that. We can model that by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 I uh, don't get a chance to honor my father very often. So I'm going to jump at the chance. Um, I'm not going to go into all his whole biography, but uh, I worked with my dad probably full-time from the time I graduated from high school until I was 26, full-time. So I spent a lot of time with my dad. I was one of five children, but I was the only son. Oh. And I had... I looked up to my dad. <laughs> I didn't care much for my sisters. <laughs> I had, and when I was a young, you know, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh grader, I had seven girls in my Sunday school class. And I was kind of shaking my fist at God for <laughs> the circumstances he had put me in. 
I started working with my dad when I was three. In 1962, my father built the Mennonite Church on Boone Avenue and 42nd Avenue. That building is still there. About 10 years ago, it was sold to Crystal Evangelical Free Church, which is now called New Hope Church. And the reason they wanted that building is because that church had, had trademarked that name, New Hope Church. So they couldn't change their name until they had acquired the right to do so. And that church was active until about 10 years ago. It's about 2010. And I knew the people on the board were young couples when I was a little kid. But in, you know, and my dad always, he loved the Lord. He was a, a master electrician, um, worked hard, he gave me a work ethic that I can't sh still shake off. Really hard for me to sleep past seven o'clock. Not because, like, I, I choose to get up early, because I just, and he was way earlier than me. I remember when I was working with him, when I was 22, 23, 24, we had young kids. We, we were married when we were 20. Mm -hmm. So, um, but, but he just always, he was always up before me, and he's always doing something. And it's like, I, I feel like. I'm not worth anything unless I'm up and doing something. That's what, <laughs> I guess what that is. But uh, um, in 1972, my dad had some back problems and he had to stop working in construction. And he ended up working for a company called Sperry Univac. And he became a computer technician and he helped put the man on the moon with the Univac computer design. Oh. He, was a, he was a technician. He wasn't an engineer, but he was a technician and he solved problems that the engineers couldn't solve. And so he did that for about seven years. Uh, ending in 1972, God healed his back. And at a prayer meeting, that was an out a spin off of the Lutheran Conference on the Holy Spirit. Wow. And the people that he met with told him about the prayer meetings. And so he and a few others from his church, it's a Mennonite church, very conservative. Uh, he was a deacon in the church, and as a such, he would have one Sunday a month where he would provide the scripture reading. And one Sunday, he decided to do 1 Corinthians 12. Mm -hmm. And after the service, the pastor asked him not to share on church anymore. They didn't like the message about the Holy Spirit. They didn't like to hear about the fact that he was healed miraculously. Whoa. And so they started looking around. <laughs> And speaking in tongues. So they found another fellowship not too far from here in New Brighton. And uh, that's where I, I sort of had my renewal. I was, at, up, I was 13 years old. I was shaking my fist at God because I was all these women in my life. And <laughs> I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to be like my dad. <laughs> and uh, so they found a church. Um, and I had started to play guitar. He and I... 
he bought some two electric bases and that didn't work. And we put them together and made one working one out of it. I bought an electric guitar, and then we made an amplifier. We made one from scratch. I, and I later used, uh, you know, it was designed to work off of a 12-volt car battery. And anyway, so he, that's how I got that technical approach, working with my dad. You know, it's like sure. Karen's father working with his. That was the thing that he did with me. What was the church in New Brighton? Compassion Christian Center. Which ended up becoming Church Upon the Rock, which is where Stephen oh, Lewis. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we have history. Yeah. But um, so so my dad, uh, over the years, in, in, he he was at Church Upon the Rock from 1972 until 1977, when God called him to start a Teen Challenge-like ministry in northern Minnesota. Oh, wow. And the day I graduated from high school in '77. I loaded up my trailer and followed them and went up there to, to serve with my parents and, uh, and did that for a number of years. Two years later, my wife and I were married. She moved up there with us, and we had our first three, three children up there. Out of ten? Out of the ten, yeah. yeah. Born in two harbors, Lakeview Memorial Hospital. Um, and I started a business with my dad, you know, and, and like I say, up in, I was young, but like I say, up until I was 26 years old. And, and, and at that point, um, we moved back down to the Twin Cities to look for, there was some, there was a, a sort of a recession going on. So I came back and, and, and started working down here. Um, my dad stayed working up there and continued pastoring as well as running that mission, that ministry, he was a pastor who worked full-time. So he didn't take anything from the church. He was a working pastor. He pastored the church up in, in northern Minnesota, and then uh, a few years later, they moved to Duluth, and he pastored a church in Duluth for about five years. And then, and, but, but that whole aspect, of course, he had me serving with him when I was up there leading worship and um and uh so he was an example to me and and, and a terrific sense of humor um he he was he was not a polished speaker but he was he was i don't know if you've ever read about smith wigglesworth smith wigglesworth mm -hmm. uh, in the turn of the century was a plumber who became an evangelist and used those opportunities um, from 1973 until 1977, as four years, my dad and I worked for Southside Electric in South Minneapolis, and we probably rewired a thousand homes. <laughs> I mean, to this day, I can drive around South Minneapolis and say, oh, I did that service right there <laughs> and on that house. My dad and I would go into somebody's house and the, which was mostly populated at the time by elderly people the houses down there. Mm. Um, and they would complain. It was like, they're, you know, I mean, it, would, it was rare when we would go to someone's house and they wouldn't be complaining. Mm. Um, a real quick story, funny story. One gal was complaining about her electricity bill. And, you know, my dad has a sense of humor. It kind of gets the best of him sometimes. But <laughs> we're outside uh, sitting at the picnic table eating our lunch, and she, you know, was complaining about her... 
And my dad said, well, come over here. This is what you do. There's your electric meter on the back of the house, right? He says, put a brick on there, and that'll slow it down. <laughs> that was funny. The next day, we showed up to finish up the job. We're, we get to the job, put our lunch pails on the picnic table. We look up. Three houses on either side all had bricks on their meters. <laughs> but if they complained about relationship problems or medical problems, my dad would stop and he'd say, well, I know someone who can fix that. And he would pray for them right there. Uh, a few years into this, my, the first year we were working for Southside Electric, the guy, it was run by a guy named uh, Dave Winthizer. Uh, Dave would get in the habit of driving around to all the jobs just to check on what was going on, make sure we were there working, you know, good overseer. Um, uh, you know, after, after that first year, he never showed up on our jobs. My dad, my dad outperformed, we outproduced all the other crews. I think there were 12 crews. And he never had a concern about us. But about a year and a half, two years in, uh, Dave stopped by the job site one day and he said, say, I heard you're starting to pray with the customers. And my dad said, yeah, I sure am. <laughs> and you know, we were expecting a little, Dave says, well, keep it up. It's good for business. <laughs> um, about uh, to 2007, January 29th, 2007, my dad went to be with the Lord. He'd had a stroke. He actually, not only did I work with him every day till I was 26, but lived with him from about 1998 until 2007 he lived with us they moved in with us he had a stroke in canada um eventually got treated in fargo and then finally came home but he was unable to keep you know maintain a household and so they moved in with us and i was able to you know have my dad live with me for, till till 2007 and i did a lot of these same stories at that at that uh, memorial service in 2007. Mm. And it just hit me really how impactful mm. my dad was. Yeah. Yes. And there's a song that I found, uh, heard. I don't remember, I know where I was when I first heard it, but it's called, I Still Can't Say Goodbye. You can look it up. You can hear it. it's probably on YouTube somewhere. Mm -hmm. Chet Atkins does it. Uh, Tommy Emanuel does it. Chet Atkins, I don't think he wrote it, but he made it famous. Mm -hmm. And he uh, actually invited people to learn it and keep it on. It's oh. as a memorial. Mm -hmm. And it's about a dad. And the first verse goes, um, when I was young, my dad would say, come on, son, let's go out and play. Um, Sometimes it seems like yesterday. And then it says, when I was, when, uh, I found, uh, when I was all by myself, I climbed it to the closet shelf 
grabbed his hat and put it on, um, pretending I was him. And, and it's just a it's just a really great song. But uh, that was the impact my dad had, and I, you know, uh, it's been what 13 years, and it's still hard for me. Anyone else want to share? It's wonderful. Love to hear from anybody. This is a, these are good sermons. Thank you very much. I'd like to share. I'll try to. Sure. Um, my dad. Uh, got saved just before his 80th birthday. And he grew up in a Lutheran home and became a Catholic to, in order to marry my mom. And he really became a Catholic of all Catholics. Like he, he led us in family devotions. He's in his private school. Um, he was a real family man. And um, when my sisters and I got saved in the 70s, we probably, we just kind of beat up everybody around us with the gospel. We were so excited and came on really strong. But um, my dad loved his religion. And my mom, too. And um, so we just, we just wondered how God could ever reach him with the free gift of salvation. And... I used to just, as, as my parents were getting older, I would pray, Lord, just keep him safe until he's safe in you. Mm. And um, my dad, he strayed from the moral path, and he was unfaithful to my mom. Um, and, I, and I've been thinking lately how I, I think God really used that because... You know, he sometimes we just need to fall to see how much we need God anyway. I think God allowed him to fall. And um, so sometime so sometime in the summer before he died, we knew that he had can he had cancer. We didn't know what the prognosis was because um, there was a family wedding coming up, and my parents didn't want to cloud the, the wedding with any bad news. So my dad had cancer that had gone to his bones. It wasn't looking good. Um, the wedding was going to be in October. But sometime in that summer, my dad changed. And he just, he was kind of a grumpy old man, and he turned into the sweetest sweetest just this whole countenance changed and he when they would come over he'd go Ruthie and he'd want to hug me and it was just like he just got so sweet all of a sudden and then the, we were all together as a family for the wedding and the day after the wedding we had a big party to celebrate a big party to celebrate his birthday his 80th birthday and um, which had happened the month before so we celebrated the day after the wedding and he, um, we had a DVD made of his life. And before we played the DVD to watch it together, he said, 
um, I want to say a few things before we watch. And he said, I want to share some things that I'm grateful for. And one of them was, well, two of them, one of them was um, because he was an only child, he had always wanted a large family, and he was grateful that God gave him a large family, which was really only five, but he was grateful for that. And then he said, and I'm grateful that God let me live long enough to consider what I've done wrong in life and to come to the point where I know that I'm completely forgiven. And um, after that, after the wedding and the party, then that next month he really was, he just started declining rapidly. And um, he just said to everybody, don't be sad for me, I have eternal life. And I don't even know exactly what happened. He just never, we tried to get it out of him. What happened, Dad? How did you come to understand this? But he came to the point where he received the gift of eternal life. And, um, you know, I just think, when I think of my dad, I really think, like, God can save anyone. You know? He was, he had his own self-righteousness that worked for him. But God got through. And uh, my mom got saved in her 80s after that, too. And um, uh, the Lord arranged it so I was able to be with my mom and dad when he died oh, up at the oh. cabin. And he died with a smile on his face. Oh. Beautiful. Nice. Beautiful. We can keep it going, we can stop. So if anybody wants to, you're welcome to. This is worth more than a sermon. Okay. Just really quick. Um, I don't know where my dad is in terms of heaven or anything. Um, he also struggled with moral issues and ended up leaving my mom after seven kids and 25 years of marriage. Um, so that was really hard for all of us. But um, I get a lot of my, I think, work ethic from him. Um, he was a world famous uh, biochemist and did a lot for, um, you know, the, the, the he, he solved a lot of genetic cases. Um, one of them was uh, Tay-Sachs, which was a disease that, genetic disease that um, Israelis had. So um, that's been pretty much eradicated, but he was written up in National Geographic, Life Magazine did a whole story on him and our family. So he was a nerd that had seven kids, and he loved art, was an amazing artist, um, did a lot of amazing, um, he was just a really, loved to learn. He loved to learn, and that's what I feel like I got from him, his love for learning. And uh, he was a gardener, and I got that from him. <clears throat> I got my, um, it just, um, anyway, he was, you know, again, not the quote-unquote moral guy, but I think of him all the time. All of us kids were, we had seven kids, and I was the only one who had brown eyes, so he always called me his brown-eyed girl. Um, I always thought I was his favorite because of that. Um, but um, 
what else I wanted to say? I just forgot. But um, anyway, I do hope and pray that I will see him again. But I don't, I don't know. But I do, you know, believe that that <clears throat> my prayers for him over the years um, hopefully have, you know, I don't know. We'll hope, hope and pray for that. Thanks. <laughs> Show them your, your, your T-shirt there. What does it say on it? Oh, I don't know. What does it say? <laughs> well, I, what, what does the front say? Oh, oh, okay. Champions tennis. Uh, yeah, that's what I wanted to say. There you go. Yeah. You know, he, one of the things, he um, always encouraged all of us kids to find something that you love to do and to do it well and don't do it for money. And he told me over and over as a girl, a girl in our family that you can do anything that you put your mind to you can do it and so he really you know he he always wanted me um he always wanted me to go to UCLA so I, it was between USC and UCLA and I ended up going to U UCLA and became a four-time all-american in tennis and so listen to anyway. that that doesn't happen very often no. there are very few in college history, I think, that have been four times. Is that true? Yeah. How many times has it happened at UCLA? I, I haven't counted. But and it took seven years for the, she was the first in that history. And it took seven years for the next man to come along. Anyway. Yeah. That means she was an All-American her first year. That's incredible. And then her second year, and then her third year, fourth year. That, wow. Well, fun to get to know you by getting to know your families. So uh, anybody else want to share? Thank you for sharing. It's wonderful to hear from, from you. So I'm going to uh, share the benediction with you. And then uh, feel free to, of course, to stick around. And each week, we're, we're uh, stepping into more. And so hopefully one of these weeks, we will be outside. Mm -hmm. uh, do you still need, you, you need volunteers to help you to make that happen. Outside means more mechanics, more uh, technology. So we need help on that. So uh, you don't need to know this stuff because CJ will, he knows it and he'll teach you. So that, that should comfort you because you don't have to know this stuff, Tim. Yeah, I mean, he'll... He'll, he'll help you. So, yeah. So the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and show you his favor. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, look around and tell me who's going to preach next Sunday. Just look around and see who, who do you think. I'm not going to preach next Sunday. Who do you think is going to preach? <laughs> She'd be a good choice, but she's she doesn't happen to be the one. Okay, whoever's gonna preach, identify yourself. Come on, Andrew. Andrew goes to the seminary I started back in two thousand one. And you will be a graduate when? A year from now. He'll be in Australia a year from now. And um and he is graduated from the seminary and then uh